0: I too would like to welcome you and uh, happy to be here in some air-conditioned space rather than outdoors where it's a bit toasty. Um, I'd like to uh, share with you a reading from Whispers from Eternity, which is a book of uh, poems and what Yogananda called Prayer Demands um, that he wrote. And this one is a strong one. Demand not to be enslaved by the ego or by egocentered passivity. I want to use my own will, but guide it ever Father, toward the golden paradise of all fulfillment, for I would be infinity's smiling child, confident of being imprisoned no longer behind bars of fruitless desire and withered hopes. I would break the shameful cords of lethargy that have presumed to hold me and step fearlessly into freedom. Released, I now blaze my way through forests of every limitation and delusion. Oh, my little vain ego may strut proudly saying, Behold my glory, worship me. But I will look through its transparent form And behold, thine unimaginable beauty, clothed in the subtle form of the whole universe. The silence-tuned hearing of my soul will ignore that tiny boasting masquerader, my little self-impersonating thee, and will listen rapturously to the wind-borne, fragrant music of thine own matchless voice, whispering across the ages, I am he. You know this topic of self-reliance versus self-reliance, if you can hear the capital S on the second self is a is a perfect one for well for one of the programs that was happening this weekend at the expanding light discover your own happiness, but in fact it's a perfect one for all of us because the whole process of the of the spiritual life is not about. Becoming something else. It's about getting out of the thought that we're not divine, that we're not that higher self, that we're not one with God. There's nothing to achieve except understanding. You know, that. uh, the way, Swami, uh, the way Paramahansa Yogananda defines self-realization is the knowing in all parts of body, mind, and soul that you are now in possession of the kingdom of God, that you need not pray that it come to you, that God's omnipresence is your omnipresence and all you need to do is improve your knowing. That is the process. And yet, from the very beginnings of our life, we're we're thrown into a situation and it's not our fault, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> not not our fault that we depend on something other than the higher self. I mean think of it when we're when we're babies, and we are totally dependent on someone else. We have one capability, that's to cry. There's nothing else going for us. And then a little bit later around age 2 or so, the individual will starts to kick in and uh, that continues for a while and maybe subsides a little bit but then in the teen years it comes into its full glory and uh, not only is that will very predominant but we revel in that will the will of resistance the will of rebelliousness but time marches on and we continue with our will, but we add to it a little more uh, <clears throat> reason, uh, <laughs> intellect, and, and we go on will and intellect for well, pretty much the rest of our lives. Right up until, you know, near the end, things starts to, starts to fade a little bit, but we're still relying on something not of the soul, but we're relying on Medicare and Social Security. And the, the un, one of the unfortunate parts of this whole thing is that you know, some of these tools don't work so bad. You know, they, they get us what we want some of the time and keep us from getting what we don't want some of the time. And there's enough success to them that uh, they become our go-to guys and become the first, the first place we reach is ego-centered skills and abilities and understandings and I've often thought isn't it too bad that that these work as well as they do because it takes us so much longer to learn that there's or at least to yearn for something that works better than that and we try for all so many years to use these ego-centered tools to to manipulate the world around us, to attempt to manipulate other people. And when we come on the spiritual path, we come on because we realize not only do those not work so well, but even when they do work, they're not nearly enough. Not nearly enough to make us happy, to give us what we're really looking for and that we need to develop another, the other tool of, of looking to the higher aspect of ourselves. To help us to come to what we're really looking for in our lives. And that ability to, to tune in and to, to intuit, intuitively understand where our greatest good lies, where our greatest happiness lies. And this really is one place, one of the main places where the guru comes in is to help us get to that point where we can have that understanding. The way Swami Kriyananda phrased it, he said, the purpose of the guru is to help you to understand which of the thousands of voices inside your own head is the right one, which is to say the one that's going to lead you to the ultimate happiness. And this process is a subtle one. This process of learning to tune in to our own higher selves, learning to listen for and receive intuitive guidance, is a subtle one. You know, Swami Kriyananda would talk about when he was with Paramahansa Yogananda, Yogananda wouldn't just tell people what they needed to do, wouldn't just tell people what their next step was. Swami said, you would have to understand from his expression, from a raised eyebrow, from a slight curl of the lip, from a slight gesture, Yogananda wanted his disciples not didn't want to tell them everything they should do, but wanted them to understand for themselves where their happiness lay. I've been reading recently uh, about the life of one of uh, Yogananda's foremost disciples, uh, Durga Mata, and. She also would, would talk about this, how Yogananda would, would train his disciples to, to not go to him in the outward way, but rather to by attuning them their minds, turning themselves attuning themselves to Yogananda's consciousness, they could hear their own intuition. And he said sometimes he would ask a disciple to go get something and deliberately call it by the wrong name. (laughs) Deliberately call it by the wrong name so that if you're just thinking outwardly, you think, what? It's not even in this room. But what he was trying to do is to get them to intuitively hear him, to go against that outward inclination all the time and look inside and try to, try to understand what he was really trying to ask for, which he probably didn't even need at all. He was just training them, training them to listen inside. He said at one point in the 1930s, uh, he bought a new house car, which is what they called motorhomes uh, in the 1930s. <laughs> About. After a time he he learned that the chassis, the underpinnings and the motor of this house car weren't so great and that they needed he needed to do a hybrid house car so he bought the chassis and motor of another one and he was going to put the top of the first one onto the bottom of the second one and that that was going to be his new house car and so there were a group of people so that, you know, standing around, sitting around, talking with him about this house car, and uh, just sort of wondering, how is this going to happen? And he said to Durga Matt, he said, you do it. <laughs> and she said, but sir, I don't know the first thing about these things. She'd certainly been not, not been trained as a mechanic, or as really as anything else, um, but a disciple. And he, and he said said, I'll help you. And he wasn't going to help her by just giving her all the specific instructions, but he was going to depend on her to intuitively try to tune in with his help, but to tune in to what needed to be done and taking the top off one motorhome and putting it on the bottom of another. And she did covered in grease from head to toe day after day. She did it with the help of, an, of another disciple, but she was the, the lead energy in doing it because she was a very in tune disciple and really was able to understand the how he would help her. A lot of us would be expecting you know, the guru to just tell you, okay, you do this and you do that, you look for that bolt here and this bolt there. No, she had to tune in and really feel. And it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that the more I am, the longer I'm on the path, the more I realize the importance of our feeling capacity, of our heart intuitive capacity. And I think like many people who come on the path, especially the path of yoga, where if you come from a, sort of scientific background as I came from, you like the fact that there are techniques, there are procedures to go through and that's what drew me because I was not interested in b- what I believed. I would believed many things in my life and hadn't seen much benefit in any of the beliefs uh, up to that point. I wanted to know and when I came to something that, that seemed to me to promise to help me know and that there were specific tools to help me know, well that was for me. But I very quickly realized and I realized more and more over the years that the tools and even the teachings really are just the beginning. That we can't even apply the tools and the teachings effectively to take us where we really want to go unless we use that intuitive feeling capacity. That the guru is really that job, has that job of teaching us how to use that intuitive capacity. And you know, many people get frustrated by this. I've seen many people who will, um, they'll follow their spiritual path. And it's not just this path, but lots of paths for a time based on the outward tools and the outward teachings. And they come to what they think is a plateau. And some of them say, well, this path only leads to a plateau. I'm not interested. And and they leave it behind not realizing that they they weren't on a plateau at all. They had just reached a certain juncture to climb up the mountain where they couldn't see any farther through outward practices, through ego-centered skills. They needed the intuitive skills to go farther. And there are a lot of people who or really, in this mode, I remember years ago there was a, uh, I'm reading a quotation from someone who was a very well-known sort of celebrity in, in the yoga world, who felt like, I think he was speaking for the whole yoga world. He wasn't, but he felt I seemed to feel like he was. And he said, "Oh yeah, uh, we've heard what the gurus have to say. We can take it from here." You know, and, and this, this is the, the ego-centered approach. Rather than thinking there might be someone who has a deeper understanding who can not just tell me what to do, but help me understand how to have that deeper understanding for myself. That is what we're trying. What we mean when we're talking about relying on the self, with a capital S, is to rely not just on that deeper understanding, but more than that, on the power that's inherent in the greater self that's that's relatively clear when we see the lives of saints, but isn't so clear in our own lives and our our growth process is one of of bringing that into greater and greater clarity and having it flow through us really see you know when when we ex- we've all had this experience of something something greater flowing through us that doesn't feel like it's ours and in fact it's it is ours it just doesn't belong to ego consciousness which we've more and more accustomed to operating in and that's a really important time in our lives when these when these experiences come through is to really Okay, you may be doing something else in the moment, you may need to be accomplishing something in the moment, but afterwards, sit and reflect and meditate on the fact that yes, bigger things can come through us than we were expecting, than we were familiar with, because whatever happened in that moment, we were able to open up wide enough for it to come through. And it's, it's really a, an awakening sort of experience when we, when we are reflecting back and we think, maybe there's more to me than I thought. Because all of these, like the, the Gita reading, saying everyone who is what? Glorious, powerful, prosperous, you know, each of them, each of those is just a little spark of the great son of my effulgence, God's, God speaking, in other words. And this is our, our job to, to tune into those little sparks that are within us. And as we bring them through, more and more they become bigger and bigger sparks. Bigger, greater and greater connections with that higher self that we've always been connected with but just not very aware of. And I was reading a little piece that Yogananda wrote, thinking, um, why is it that this is harder than it should be? (laughs) And he said, if in this moment you could completely calm your body, your thoughts, and your emotions, you would instantly become aware of your true self, the soul. And of your great body of the universe throbbing with the joy of God. Isn't it strange that the joy of God is there, yet you cannot feel it? The reason you do not know his bliss is that you are intoxicated with ego feeling. And what he meant by that ego feeling, we intoxicated by our little desires our little likes and dislikes the things that we we want to seek our we 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 tend to seek our happiness in and make us restless when we can't perceive these things which are embarrassingly part and parcel of us always have been always will be But there are definitely things that we can do to to get beyond that stage spoke of quite a number of them. I'd just like to, to mention to mention a few of them. i also like to get a drink of water. Obviously, meditation is one because meditation in, in meditation we're not just calming our thought processes. We're not just getting the body to sit still or a change. What we're doing is trying to, to park the curtain that us from being able to perceive that greatness that is inside each one of us because the divine is in each side of one of us. And we're not going to part that curtain merely by techniques. The techniques are sort of a, a foundation through which that, that enable us, that create the opening for us to use our feeling capacity, use our intuitive capacity to get beyond that curtain. To not necessarily see what's there, but to feel what is there. To feel a deep, deep peace inside, to feel expanding love, to feel an uplifting joy. And that's really what we're trying to do with all the techniques, which is why the was so firm on you, don't use a technique for the entire time of your meditation. That the last portion of your meditation should be sitting in the stillness and really trying to go so deep inside, so deep with feeling, because you're not doing anything. It's no longer, it's no longer a, a step-by-step process. It's totally a feeling process to connect with your own higher self. Meditation is, is so key to that but even then, even then Yogananda gave many other ways that we can tap into that, to that higher aspect of ourselves. One of them that I've been using a lot and I know a lot of people in the community here have been using a lot lately is healing prayers. Because we've had so many people who are in a position in their lives where they really are open and and needing healing prayers. And you know you practice the, the techniques of, of healing that, that Yogananda taught and it doesn't take very long before you get that feeling. This is not me. This is not me that's that's flowing toward this other person, but I can feel something. I can feel something flowing toward that other person and yes it is you but it's just not the part of you that you're accustomed to working with. It's it's that higher aspect of you. The healing pairs are a wonderful way, and sort of an expansion of that other idea is service. It serves service to others. Yogananda said very interestingly, he said, if you want to be in tune with me, serve my work. This thing is serve my work, which, is of course, is what so many people are doing here on the Village and elsewhere. Not just to get something done, not just to, to push forward an organization. but The purpose of the organization is for the individuals. And one of the things that an organization can do is give the individuals opportunities, meaningful opportunities to serve that they might not have. Otherwise, that's one thing I've always appreciated about Ananda is that it's not about sort of serving the organization. Yes, it's serving the broader work that Yogananda and, and later Swami Kriyananda were trying to make available to people, but really the organization gives these opportunities to serve in a way that. It's easy to directly relate to the Guru and to be better able to, to get in tune with the Guru that way. And especially because we do it so often in groups. We serve with other people and when, the, when a group of people are doing more or less the same thing, you know different components of the, of the same thing, there starts to be a a wave of energy going through that group that makes it so much easier to feel that there's something greater happening, that there's something greater coming through me, coming through everyone here, coming through this situation. And to feel that that isn't something foreign to me, it's just something that I haven't been able to pay enough attention to, I haven't yet been able to feel. So as we're serving here, whether here or anywhere, you have to try and feel that that your service is a mechanism for something to flow through you. It's not just about getting something done. It's not just about meeting a deadline. It's about awakening to something that can flow through us. and If we do awaken, then it it gets done better. It gets done faster. And above all, it gets done more joyfully than if we let the little ego do the thing that it's so accustomed to doing. Which is using its limited tools to to get things done in this world. So as we as we go out in the, in the days that follow, I'd really like to invite you to try this more and more, especially if you work in a group of like minded people. But if you don't, just think there are like minded people who are doing similar things to you, probably at that same moment somewhere. So there is a, there is a wave being generated. And try to tap into that wave of consciousness, that wave of power, even because it is divine power that comes through us, and let it uplift your consciousness and take you into an experience that is so far beyond the thoughts of I, me, my, and mine, just into vastness, into expansiveness. That's one thing I've so appreciated over the years at Ananda is, is tuning in to the feeling of expansiveness and knowing, helping to know what to do in a given situation just by asking, will this make me feel bigger or will this make me feel smaller? And as as we do this, we do become much more connected with the greater part of ourself, that part that is glorious, that part that is prosperous and powerful because it doesn't belong to the little ego at all. It's just part of spirit. And my prayer is that all of us will feel that more and more and really know that we are that bliss, that we are that love of God that we have always been and always will be. I will
1: lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. Who made the heavens and the earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, That keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is the is thy shade upon thy right hand the sun shall not smite thee by day no shall preserve thee from all evil he shall preserve thy soul the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy calm